right now our entire process, our transactional process, is based on assuming that a candidate or a potential talent out there who's, who may be good for your company can somehow translate your job descriptions and what it is that you're trying to do as a company and figure out where they fit, which is kind of stupid, right? Because how are they supposed to know where they fit in your company? You're the one who knows your company and what you need and what you're looking for. So how do we flip that on the dime and say, how instead can I know what I'm looking for and be able to look at this vastness of talent that's out there and help them understand how they can be, how we can be a mutual partnership together? Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast focused on blending research and practical advice to help today's HR, talent, and learning leaders improve business outcomes. Let's welcome your host, Ben Eubanks. Hey, everybody. This is Ben Eubanks. Welcome to We're Only Human. Glad to have you here today. So, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, not too long ago, I was reading a piece on a recruiting news website, and I thought it was incredible. Really interesting story, a great case study, an example, and I, you know me, I love stories. And so I reached out to let the author know how much I enjoyed reading the piece she'd written. One thing led to another, and she's actually going to join us today on the show. We're going to talk about some of the concepts around modern hiring strategy and how Intel is doing this. So today we have Alain Bailey here on the show. Welcome, Alain. Hi, so glad to be here. It's gonna be awesome. fun. I'm I'm glad too. I've already told you. I I warned you in advance. I'm I'm so excited about this because the stories really spoke to me, and I'll give you some examples in a little bit after we hear some of your story too, because I think there's some some good stuff that everybody can learn from this. So, to start us off, tell us a little about who you are, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Name's Lynn Bailey. I work um, with Intel um, in their global talent acquisition organization. I'm very lucky to have um, what I think is it's less of a unique role. I think there's more and more people doing this in enterprise um, level acquisition organizations, but I've been working in this space for about the last five years. Um, my focus started off being looking at uh, the candidate experience and how we aligned our strategy um, to better execute on our promise to candidates and, and to deliver the experience we were looking for. And what that led into um, was actually driving um, our talent acquisition transformation and now a role within the organization, which is very focused on looking at um, uh, trend spotting in the environment, understanding where we need to go from a strategy perspective, and starting to bring those elements into our operational teams. And so um, I'm part of a larger team. It's a global team. Um, that I work with um, that looks at how we as an organization and as an enterprise need to look at um, not only talent acquisition, but how we manage our talent pipelines, um, how we build um, experiences for our candidates externally and now also internally, um, and how does that actually execute itself at an operational day-to-day basis. So I'm really lucky I have this very unique role that allows me to um, talk to awesome people like you and and others and, and hear what's going on and then try and synthesize that into how do we move forward as an organization to achieve what we're trying to do. Goodness gracious. So a very small and simple job, obviously. No complexity there at all. Um. So and, and obviously I don't have an elevator pitch to say what I do because it's way too complicated. It's like I just I do stuff. Yes, do lots and lots of stuff. Uh, again, it sounds super intriguing because actually yesterday I was talking to someone that's that is it was all around analytics of the conversation and he said I spend 
almost half of my time looking at things happening outside our business to understand what to do inside our business, not just focusing, you know, with our blinders on just something in front of me. And you said things a minute ago, like trend spotting, right? Looking for things that are going to influence and drive these changes. And so like, I, I love seeing those little connections that happen all over the place. So before we go on into like the, the nerdy stuff, I've got to ask you when you're not doing that for Intel, what do you love to do? Okay. So I, many people know this about me already. I love to travel. I, I've always been a, a big traveler, but I also have a complete obsession with Disney and Disney travel. So um, I have an 11 year old daughter. I swear I, I had her so that I could have somebody who I could cart around with me to Disney parks all over the world. Um, it is um, I'm fascinated on multiple levels. I think as a um, I, I love what they do from an experience design perspective. I like geek out on that while I'm on vacation, which is like, you know, it, you know, probably not what most people are doing. And I just, you know, throw me in a throw me in a room where a whole bunch of people are walking around in like big, you know, Winnie the Pooh outfits. And I like I turn like five again and I that makes me happy. So that's what I do. Awesome. I'm a I love that. Disney fanatic. So I love that. Well, it doesn't surprise me. You can't turn off that that filter you have on watching how experiences unfold and how they create great ones, you can't turn that off. And so now you're just more aware of that everywhere else. It's like the, the red car thing. You buy a red car, you see them everywhere. You just you have to watch those, and you see behind the scenes, and you understand what it takes to build an experience, and you appreciate that on a deeper level, I think. No, absolutely. That's what I do now. So we, we go we go into the parks, or we go into different places, and I spend all of my time um, watching how are they greeting people? How are they managing the traffic flow? How are they uh, taking what can be very negative experiences, like waiting and um, you know, crowds and heat and turning them into what feels like these huge positive experiences for people at the end fascinates me. Um, and I think has a lot of ways we can leverage that across our work everywhere. So. I would agree with that for sure. Excellent. Awesome. We'll have to come back together on that sometime in the future because I'd love to talk about the, that piece of it. Um, so what keeps you up at night as it involves town acquisition, right? There's lots of things, lots of trends happening in the, in the space, lots of things probably on your plate and on your radar for the coming year. I'd love to know some of the things that you think about that either you're, you're excited, they're a nut to crack, or it's something that you've been kind of struggling with for a while. So I have um, kind of two major things that um, are keeping me awake and focused lately. So the first is, um, what is the actual ability of our talent acquisition teams, the, the people on the ground, recruiters, sourcers, recruitment marketers, to actually adopt and think differently about the work that they're doing and navigate this transition that I think we're in as an industry? And I think it, it, we there is an underestimating of um, where our current skill sets are um, across the profession um, and then how we're going to start acquiring new ways to think about our work and, and how that actually occurs on a day-to-day -day basis when I go out and execute something. I I am very challenged lately with thinking about how do we upskill, um, and it's not just upskill, how do we reskill, retool, um, and then how do we make sure people are ready for it? Um, and I think side-by-side side with that is also thinking about technology and um um, I'm a technologist at heart. I'm, I'm obsessed with technology, but mainly because how technology can help us do the things that we all dream we want to do. And I think that one of the challenges we have today is we have a growing technology market that's out there in the TA space and the HR space in general. Um, we have a lot of vendors and opportunities out there with cool stuff that's happening and not necessarily a strong set of technology providers who actually understand 
um, the business or the use cases that are real. Um, and so they're they're often trying to play catch up and recreate things that they saw somebody else do um, and aren't necessarily listening to where we need to go. And so I, I'm that keeps me up at night and I worry about how to influence that and how to have those conversations so that I can um, think about new places to head, um, partner with them to get there, um, but also not get burdened by um, uh, kind of the crap of the past as we move forward. So uh, people and technology, those are the things that um, I toss and turn over every night. Hmm. One of the things you said there really kind of stuck with me. You you mentioned that the providers, not all of them, some of them are, are doing good things. Some of them are just focused on what everybody else is doing and trying to do the, you know, the features arms race. Like I'll just catch up to them and I'll be okay versus – I'm going to listen because Elaine's knocking on my door at midnight. She's got an idea for me, and let's have a conversation about how to make that solve for that use case because this is a real company that has a real problem today, right? And there's a good chance if you got that problem, other companies of your size or of your industry are going to have similar types of problems. And that's one of my favorite questions to ask when I talk to technology companies is tell me about one of your customers that does that proverbial, like knocking on door in the middle of the night. I've got a feature. I'm, I'm curious. Can we do this? Because those are the ones that are like you thinking about this all the time they're a little bit obsessed with it right and they're, they're trying to figure out how to push that forward and you have a vision for what it should look like but until someone comes alongside you from a tech perspective it's hard to make that a reality right absolutely we can have dreams right we can have vision we can have dreams we can have ideas but it is going to take technology um, and the execution of technology to those use cases to allow us to reach it and so i'm constantly on the on the on the path trying to find partners who can um, both connect with where we're trying to go, understand it, and very quickly help us put proof of concepts into place so we can test out some of this stuff. It's a challenge, right? I get from their perspective where they're coming from. If you focus on the things everybody else is doing and making good profit at and you think you can do it faster, better, um, more efficiently, and, and with a better user experience, of course you're going to make money at that, right? Because um, I understand um, there's a few of us out there who are trying to push the envelope into new spaces, and that not that might not necessarily be your immediate market. Um, the challenge is for me is that I, I need people who are looking out at that that horizon because I can't move forward until they partner with me to get there. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because in the last six months or so, I've heard about some organizations that are actually coming alongside the providers and saying, we need this so badly and you're the one that's best positioned to provide it that we will come alongside you and help fund part of that development so that we can get access to it because it doesn't make sense for us to create it ourselves but if you will help fund the creation of that and then obviously we get the use of it we get the value of it and then you can sell it to other customers if someone else needs it but as a way to kind of split the middle between let's just bang our head against the wall and hope for the best or hire enough bodies to do this now manually versus the other side where you're like let's just hope that the vendors eventually provide it that might not ever get here that day may never arrive in spite of what our hopes and dreams might be oh okay so let's talk about intel's approach to talent right the, the article i mentioned that i saw in there one of the things that really stuck with me was it talked about transitioning from transactions to relationships what does that mean so I think, um, I don't think I know. Here's what's happened to us as an industry, right? Um, and this isn't just in talent acquisition, but I think it is, um, it, you can see it very viscerally um, in the way in which we have looked at talent acquisition over the course of the last um, five, 10 years, but definitely over the course of the last five years. Um, 
as technologies came on board, as systems came into place like ATSs and, and lots of other systems that are out there doing job or all of those components that are out there doing those things, um, we really focused in on how we could take this idea of recruiting and we could make it more efficient. And efficiency really turned into how do we operationalize and optimize um, our transactions, right? How do we make it quicker, faster, more efficient for us as the people who are acquiring talent, as the business, to be able to see who's available on the market um, and to be able to match them to opportunities and to drive them through. And the output of that was the creation of these um, huge architected processes, um, systems, and even organizations that were aligned to how to manage the transactions of hiring. But here's the problem with that. At the end of the day, hiring is essentially about taking people who have hopes, dreams, skills, capabilities, and experiences, and aligning them to an organization, which is, right, by nature, a combination of people and entities and, and individuals who have hopes, dreams, and aspirations, and connecting those together so they can accomplish something. And when we make it a very transactional experience, kind of passing the paper resume from the person into the ATS, out to a recruiter to push through the other side, what we miss is all the dynamics of what made that individual unique. The stuff I can't put down on a piece of paper. I, I tell people every day that people aren't flat Stanleys, right? Remember flat Stanley that like, um, oh, uh, yes. doing great last year. Right, exactly. You mail it out, it's like in a piece of paper, right? But flat Stanley is one dimensional, it's not dynamic. Individuals are, are multidimensional dynamic. The difference of what I experience as a human being, what I learn and can provide value to you from the day I submitted my resume to the day you actually have an opportunity to look at it and might connect it to an opportunity is immense. If I have no relationship with you, if I've had no connection with you, if I've had no conversation with you, if I don't know anything about you or allowed you to come to bat to tell me who you are, I can't take any of that stuff you've learned or gained into account. We believe that we can have a competitive advantage by focusing in on that part of the part of the process. If we can turn around and say, listen, the tra transaction of the application through the hire, I, I, a, a system can do that. We got it. We understand. In fact, more systems are going to come into place with AI and et cetera. They're going to allow me to kind of weed through that stuff and do it with more accuracy and, and efficiency. And that's fabulous. But at the end of the day, what I really got to spend my time on is how am I building relationships with the people who are actually represented by that piece of paper so I understand them at a greater depth, so I understand how they're evolving over time. And because I've done that, I both create a better relationship with them so they're more connected to me and my brand. And, and when the opportunity arises, more apt to want to, to, to have a relationship with me, right? Um, and the second reason is, is because the more I connect with them, the more I learn about them, the more opportunity I have to figure out where they might fit in, where they didn't even understand it, where they could have fit in. Right now, our entire process, our transactional process is based on assuming that a candidate or a potential talent out there who's, who may be good for your company can somehow translate your job descriptions and what it is that you're trying to do as a company and figure out where they fit, which is kind of stupid, right? Because how are they supposed to know where they fit in your company? You're the one who knows your company and what you need and what you're looking for. 
So how do we flip that on the dime and say, how instead can I know what I'm looking for and be able to look at this vastness of talent that's out there and help them understand how they can be, how we can be a mutual partnership together and, and help them understand where they fit. Um, it reduces a lot of the angst that occurs. Now as a candidate, I don't have to go and apply to 500 jobs to figure out that one that I might actually have been a match for. Instead, we're proactively engaging in the process now up front to try and say, how can we help you figure out where you match um, and not be disappointed by getting 499 rejection letters when we really did like you. It's just that you weren't smart enough to figure out where you where you fit into our company. And how would you know that? Yeah, we should expect them to know. And that's at the same time, it's creating if we can avoid them applying for the other 499 jobs, that's less work for us to have to tell them no from all those other ones that they don't fit for anyway, right? Right, exactly. That, that's exactly what we've done is by driving this whole transactional process where we say, just fill out your piece of paper and apply, 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 apply. The consequences, we thought we were getting super efficient, right? Like, oh, look, I can get this all automated online. But the problem is, is I still now have to have an entire industry of people whose job is not to connect or understand those people, they now have to shift their entire focus and priority to how they shift through all that paper, right, and manage the compliance of all that application process and, and ensure that everybody has, um, you know, is, is viewed in the same way, and they spend all of their time on the process of telling people no, right? And that's not what recruiting is. I mean, I really don't believe recruiting is about how to get people to raise their hand and how you tell them no. Recruiting is about how do I go and find people who are a great match and help them connect to opportunities? And that's the difference between thinking about transactions versus relationships. Yes. Yes. Okay. I love that. I love that, that whole conversation. And there was one thing you mentioned earlier on during the discussion that I want to ask you how that applies here too, because it's one of the holes that I see some companies, even if they've got a fantastic external focused TA function, they are missing a few steps internally. Um, they, they apply that, that same kind of thought process or anything else. But when it comes to internal candidates, they don't give them the same, the same respect, the same consideration, the same whatever you want to call it. And so you mentioned not just external candidates but internal earlier in the conversation about changing that. Are you guys using the same kind of mindset when, it, when you're looking for internal people to staff up as well? So honestly, no, not yet. And I think that's what we've discovered is part of our whole, right? Um, and I've been spending a lot of time, by the way, looking at this at executive levels and then starting to kind of look at across the organization. But uh, we do. And I've you know, I think this is not just us. I think this is just about every company and enterprise out there. I've been benchmarking a lot and trying to talk to a lot of people about what's happening in this space. I think what happens is, is that um, we have a we understand and have a uh, organization focus on the external component of acquisition and talent acquisition. But once somebody is hired into our company, um, it becomes the domain of learning and development or people management or performance, right? But there's still an asset. There's still a talent asset in terms of aligning to the right opportunities. And how do we start to look at them now, not just as, as people that we're growing and developing from an L&D perspective, but people who we are growing and developing through experiences for the benefit of us as a company as well. So as much emphasis as I'm putting on externally to know who you are, to help connect you to the right opportunities, how do I start to use that same lens internally so that eventually, right, in my dream state, eventually 
it becomes agnostic about whether you're internal or external. You're just my pipeline, um, my pipeline of people who I know about and have relationship with. And so when I have the right opportunities to come up, I can look across that entire spectrum of pipeline, internal, external, alumni, gig workers, and look at that whole picture and say, what is the best match between what those individuals need and want for their career and for their development and for who they are and what we as a company need um, and making those matches happen. And I know that's like a big dream state and that's complex and that's hard to do. But I think that if we put technology in the right places, the ability for us to put things like assessment automation um, and um, matching capabilities in place, we can automate a lot of the work of finding the matches if we spent the time up front to build a relationship and to gather insight. And part of that relationship building is gathering more data that we can understand about the individuals internally, externally, and et cetera. And if we have good ways to manage that data and then to extract it and then to leverage what we learn there from that extraction to connect people, I think we can do it. I think it's possible. And it's not like dream state 10 years from now. I think in the next 18 to 24 months, enterprise-wide, we could be there. Mm, I love hearing that, that you said that. One of the one of the phrases, I want to say it's my phrase of the week because it's going to last longer than that, I feel like. But this this concept of being data-driven but people-oriented. So we, we collect all this data. We need the data to make the right decisions, to, to be credible as business leaders. We need that data on hand to be able to do that. But at the same time, we can't make decisions just based on that because we'll get to that point you mentioned earlier on where we are purely automating for the sake of efficiency and we're creating these very transactional processes and transactional experiences lead to transactional employees. And no one wants that. No one hopes for that. But we get that if we're not thinking about it with an open mind the same way you've kind of eliminated here. Right? We're, you've used the word dream more, time than, more times than anybody else I've ever talked to. You. But I think that's the that's if, if you don't have a big vision for what the future is, then you'll just you'll never get to where you're hoping to get to. You'll never know where you're going. You'll just kind of wander around in the dark, and eventually you'll get frustrated, or your employer will get frustrated, and who knows where you end up. But you have a big dream, big dream, big vision for what this could be, and I love it because that that same conversation you're having. You said you've been benchmarking with your peers. I am hearing the exact same things when I talk to heads of TA and these large organizations out there that are struggling with the same kind of things. They said, we have so much data, so many people. We want to create more personalized experiences. <sighs> Trying to manage that data is not easy. Trying to get down to the very specifics of those conversations, interactions is not easy. It's not simple to do that. Um, you know, Disney makes it look easy, but <laughs> it's not as simple as they make it look to create the right experience around the right person at the right time to help them find that next role, whether it's internal or external. It's not that easy to do. But I love that this is a big picture vision that you have because otherwise I, I don't know how in the world you're going to get there. Well, and and, I, and to make it feel tangible to people, I'm going to um, put a little bit of a spin on this and say, listen, it's not that we don't have the recipe for how to make um, to make this happen. This is where I put my so my my frame coming into this work was as an experience designer, um, uh, spending a lot of time in the user experience space and um even out of L&D and then focusing in on, on building experiences. And here's what I will tell you, right? The, the purpose of relationship for us, if we want to be completely transparent about it, is yes, it's valuable because you build connection and we can come up with all the emotional reasons why that's a really um, important thing to help people want to be interested in you and, and be interested in your company and all of those sorts of things. That's the tenets of recruitment marketing. That's, that's awesome. And I agree with all those components. 
But if you think about it from the basis of experience design, right? I know in order to be able to connect people to the right opportunities, to become efficient at this and to be able to, to make those matches happen, I have to have data. How am I going to get the data, right? Right now, my only way to get the data in a traditional recruiting framework is the application or the resume. And I've just talked earlier about how those are crap data sources, right? Because they're static and people are dynamic and they change over time. So if people change over the time and they're dynamic and I constantly have to have updated information on them, how do I get that, right? People aren't just going to volunteer that to me. The way you get that is by them willingly wanting to give it to you because they get something of value in return. Aha, relationships, right? I have to give to you what, something of value and interest. And in return, if I ask you to give me something back, which is really for me, data or information about you that helps me better leverage all of these algorithms to be able to match and connect, you're more willing to give it to me, right? Um, and we can do it at the right cadence and the right timing that allows us to have this more dynamic picture of these individuals. So from an experience design perspective, the idea of moving from transactions to relationships is very much about, in honesty, manipulating the process here a little bit, right? Manipulating how we um, uh, build and target the communications interactions we're having very purposefully so that they leverage a, key, a couple of key components, right? Decision-making is very simple. Emotions drive thoughts, thoughts drive actions. It's a very simple formula. Relationship, and if you do it right and use those key inflection points where you have the opportunity to connect to emotion, you can create an impression or a thought for people and based on that thought, they're willing to take an action, which is what we key up for them, which is give me information. And from that, that area, I am able to look at it and say, great, now I have the information. I can put all my technology to work against that information, find the right matches and the right places to connect. And now I have a relationship with you as well. And I can go back and help show you how you connect to my opportunities over here. So it's, it's completely self-serving. Right. I mean, we make it sound all nice, nice and fluffy. And I and I do believe that. Right. I'm, I'm a human in, at heart. I really am a human and I do care about people. But I also understand that the, the design here is very specifically designed to allow us to be better and understand how to get the data that we need to make good decisions. I love that. So speaking of data and numbers and metrics and all those other things. Is it too early to see results or, or have you seen any results in this kind of new focus on relationships over transactions? So I think we're seeing results, but right now they're very anecdotal. Um, so we are seeing a more efficient pipeline. Um, and what I mean by efficient pipeline is um, our sourcers and recruiters are able to find people faster inside our pipeline to match our opportunities. And that was obviously a goal for us, right? Anecdotally, we are getting feedback from our candidates saying that they appreciate our tone, our engagement, um, and those that are really top talent for us that we've been putting a huge amount of interaction focus on are, are reporting back that their overall experience is better. So our experience scores are going up. I think that in order for us to see real kind of long-term results that we can kind of point back to and go, ah, this is a result of the strategy working end to end and not just about us getting better at being nice to people, um, will be when we're, we're able to start putting um, 
more assessment into place in the right in the right areas um, and starting to be able to track our automation strategies, automation being our engagement automation strategies better and see if we can correlate them in one to one correlations between how we're moving talent, prioritize talent um, through our process. The other place where we're seeing value, and this is actually, it sounds like a small thing, but it's such a huge win for us. We're actually seeing value now in our, our organization itself, having a different lens on why it's important to connect with people and what, the, what they can get out of it. So recruiters are starting to understand that if I do a better job of building this relationship or preparing people for this process, I can now, if they don't, if they're one of the 99 that don't get hired out of the 100, right, I now have a better understanding of how to align the really top talent to new opportunities, and now my work is beginning easier. And so our recruiters are starting to talk about how their work is actually getting easier at the end of the day because the whole concept of silver medalist is working better. Um, their insight into what people actually drives them and their decision making is getting better. Um, so in those spaces, we're starting to see traction and movement. But I think the real data-based results start to come when we're able to look at our technology um, solutions and how they interact here and intersect here and create those tracking mechanisms. Yes, it's not as simple as a, I, I thought that's probably how you're gonna respond in the data part because this isn't like a vending machine. I put a dollar in and I see a result immediately. This is a very complex process. There's a lot of moving parts to it. And so over time, as those become more solidified and as it becomes relationships and relationship building becomes operationalized, which sounds like they're they're at opposite ends there, but making that how you do things you'll be able to see more outcomes and be able to really attribute those things back to this change, this new focus, everything else. And so logically we would hope for that. We would want that. We want to know that doing this, treating people like people, what is actually going to lead to, I know, I know it's a crazy idea. Some, some woman over Intel dreamed it up. I don't know what happened, Um, (laughs) but coming Coming to that realization and treating people like that, we want that to, to lead to positive results, and I'm really hoping the data actually prove that out, bear that out. And again, some of the anecdotal things you've seen already seem to support that, so I, I just love it. I'm so excited about it. Um, my, my nerdy heart is glad. Oh, good. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it does, too, and I and I will admit to you, I get it. I mean, if this is something we've been, we've been dreaming up and working on for five years as we started to kind of go and and iterating, right? And we're continuing to iterate, right? We're like, we're spending a huge amount of time now thinking about how we build the sourcing relationship. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we're continuing to chip at the, the, but a lot of these conversations that we're having with our organization, and even as we kind of synthesize the data we're seeing externally, not just from the TA industry, but across the board, we look holistically at all sorts of experiences that are out there. And because we think that people don't, you know, people don't, I know this is going to be a shocker to you, People who apply for jobs or who are interested in your jobs, it's not the only experience they ever have. And so they <laughs> it's shocking, right? So they 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 base how they feel about that experience on all these other things that are happening, their consumer experiences, their personal experiences. So we try and understand all of that. And sometimes we're throwing stuff out there, ideas or concepts and things that we want to move towards. Um, that it's a risk. We we I don't have in many, in many instances, I don't have any proof that it's going to work. I, I don't know. I believe it will because we've synthesized all of the input and we're making some good logical leaps in judgment. 
um, and putting good science behind why we think that should happen. But as with anything, um, the challenges we're dealing and talking about human beings. And the most important thing I can tell you about human beings is they absolutely follow very few patterns. Humans are so irrational in nature, right? <laughs> Which is so fr It's not like trying to code a machine. I, I cannot necessarily tell you what's going to impact them at any given moment. I can try and guess, but I have to always be iterating and, and messing around with the dials, um, which drives my organization crazy, right? Because they, they always want me to go in and say, yep, this is exactly what will work, and in 18 months you're going to see X result. I'm like, eh, maybe. I would imagine a company focused on the technology space would want some rigor and some specifics around that before they plunge down a path, but at the same time, it's – We'll have more of these conversations, I feel like, in the coming years as we start to really define the line between what algorithms and machines and computers can do and what humans still need to do, still have to do, because those other things cannot cannot supplant the work that we're doing already. So I think that'll be, be a, a more frequent conversation we're having in the coming years about you know, there might not be any proof here yet, but here's what we see and here's what we think and and you're doing you're doing good stuff by trying to take evidence from other areas and apply it here. So it's not like you're you're just closing your eyes and taking a leap forward and hoping for the best. Um, there's some some good sound logic behind it. Yeah, at least I don't tell people that's what I'm doing. <laughs> They'll never figure it out. No. Okay, so if someone wants to learn more about you or the work Intel's doing, um, if they want to even see the career side, whatever else, I don't know what you want to offer them. But if someone wants yeah. to learn more about all this conversation we're having, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, so um, we actually, um, I talk about it, and I have a, a group of peers who talk about this quite a bit because we personally believe I have a personal mission that says, listen, one, we're not going to get there by ourselves. It's going to take a lot of us in the industry having this conversation um, and debating back and forth. And so we're very open about where we're going and what it is that we're doing. You can um, connect with me on LinkedIn. I share stuff all the time and, and connect to other conversations that are happening. So it's Alyn Bailey. Um, you can also connect with me on Twitter, at Alyn Bailey. Um, and you know, feel free, go check out our job site. You can start to see what we're starting to do from a pipelining perspective in that space, jobs.intel.com. Um, and the wonderful work that um, a, a partner of mine, Ranjit Vinikula, um, has been doing in that space, which is some really innovative stuff from a career site um, marketing perspective. Um, but yeah, that's where to go and, and where you can find out about it. And um, join in and, and ask me, you know, feel free, reach out. I love to have conversations. I have um, some great partners in crime, Tyler Weeks from a data and analytics perspective. And um, Kobe Schneider, who's been really, really trying to understand um, the pipelining and engagement from our organization. Um, we are all out there in the ecosystem having conversations and trying to have dialogues with people. So reach out. Um, Adeline Bailey. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Alain, this has been everything I hope for and more. Thank you so much for joining me for the show today. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to, to have a conversation. And this has been a joy. Thank you. Awesome. Absolutely. To everybody else, this has been another episode of We're Only Human. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to We're Only Human. Please take a moment to share this episode with another HR leader who might see it as a valuable resource in their daily work. For more information about the podcast and to see all our show archives, please visit upstarthr.com.